the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world, welcome to Oral Sessions. I'm back. This is me, uh, your host extraordinaire. I'm holding onto my mic with a death grip. Did you just see that? Um, hi, it's me, and I'm joined today by none other than producer extraordinaire, actually also host extraordinaire because he popped in here and aired one of his old episodes from his podcast, Wrestle Rap. We've got Emilio on the show. Hey, baby. Bing hey, baby. Bong. Let me just drink you in for a minute because I haven't seen you in such a long time. It's weird, right? Here we are. Oh, my God. I've missed you, you know? I've missed you. I mean, we talk every day, but I've missed you. you it's not I mean? the same. You've got to, like, you know, we're we're just over Zoom. It's nice to be able to see each other. This is how people are used to seeing each other now. It's a familiarity that we've just gotten used to, right? Gotta tell you, them prenatal vitamins be popping right now. You're Can we glowing. talk about the hair? It's not even just a glow. I mean, yes, I did put on a little bit of makeup, a little highlighter, a, a little concealer, you know, just some things to pull me together a little bit. But my hair is growing at an extraordinary rate, and I could not be more thrilled about it. This is your signature look now. You can't go I back know. to the bob. No, because I did the bob, and I did the bob for a long time, and it served me well for a very long time. I loved the bob. But sometimes you've got to move past a look, and that was my WWE look. And I have not had my hair cut, I don't think, since I left WWE. Am I coming up on like a year of not cutting my hair? Yeah, I am. Because I've not had my hair cut since being pregnant, and I've been pregnant pretty much for the last 10 years, it feels like. It felt like forever. It did feel... Uh, you know what? It's, I kept saying that it felt like it was going by really fast, but now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was like, oof, what a long time that is. <laughs> it felt like forever. It's crazy. Okay, so you have the baby. You get pregnant, and then you find out that you're pregnant, and that part is all very exciting, obviously, because you're like, oh my God, I'm growing a baby, and you have to change everything in your life of like, hey, obviously, no booze. You have to really limit your caffeine, which is not a huge deal for me. Your workouts have to be different. Like every little thing is so different. And then you adjust to that. And then you just become this gigantic balloon version of yourself, which I loved. I loved being huge like that. I thought it was really fun. And then you have the baby. And then it's like, hey, now I got to get back to being myself. And I will say in the six weeks that I've been gone and we've had all the guest hosts pop in who knocked it out of the motherfucking park, I will say. We really cleaned up. Absolutely. We had a really good group of guest hosts who were just down for the cause. Every episode was unique and different on its own. Even you were recording them when you were cooking a bun in the oven. Well, that was a doozy, too, because we were doubling down to try to get those six other episodes recorded on my end so that I could just peace out for six weeks. But now that window is closed and we're back. But I feel like it's actually perfect timing. I mean... Initially, I mean, I've never had a baby, so I wasn't sure how long it was going to take to feel okay. But I would say I'm really starting to feel like myself right now. It's nice. Okay, so you got to explain this to me because I don't have a child. Okay. I'm not even a relationship. We're, we got to work on we that, will. by the way. The we pandemic's will. almost over. It's time. Now that the child has seen the light of day, I can maybe mm -hmm. one day babysit and then take said child to the grocery store and I can pick up women. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> 
She's a little cutie. She'll get you there for sure. You sent the pictures and she is freaking adorable. She's a cute pie that's come to life. That's what she is. A little cute pie doll come to life. Very cherubic. Usually when people send me photos of their kids, I'm like, really? That's it? But she's adorable because normally like children, they, I don't know, they come out like raisins. They look all pruney. Because they're not chubby yet. And not that she wasn't chubby when she was born. She was 7'15 when she was born. But now she's almost fucking 12 pounds. <laughs> what are you feeding this kid? She is just on the boob. And so it's funny. I took her. She had like her one month checkup the other last week. And the doctor was like, oh, my God, like, good for you. Pat on the back to mom of like babies putting on weight. She's healthy. She's good. But like it's making her extra cute because her face is just round. And she's got these little thick thighs. Oof, babies are great. So did she latch onto the nipple with ease? Yes. Because I know from Lifetime movies that some of the mothers get freaked the fuck out because the kid's not latching onto the teat. So there was so much stuff about this that I didn't know, which is a great question, by the way. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'll get into the latch part, but then I need to, like, run it back to the whole labor because I feel like people should hear the whole story. So she latched right away. And obviously, I didn't know what I was doing. I've never breastfed before, but literally she came out of the womb and was trying to latch onto John because he was holding her first because I had a C-section. So they had to, like, sew me back up. So she was passed off to John. But she, yeah, she was trying to breastfeed right away. She got a great latch. But that doesn't mean that breastfeeding is not a fucking bitch. Holy shit. No one really gives you the heads up of how gnarly it is. Like your nipples chafe. They scab. They bleed. The pain that you get. I don't want to freak anybody out here. Maybe this was just a me thing. But the pain that you get during those first few weeks of breastfeeding, it sears through your entire body. When the baby latches on, I literally like if John was around me and my mom's been in town helping out too. like, thank God for Carol. If they were around me as I was about to feed the baby, I'm like, everyone shut the fuck up. Nobody say anything. Nobody look at me. Nobody touch the baby because it is like this pain. It goes away quickly, but that pain, it's like, you feel like your ears are going deaf and you feel pain and like all the way down to your elbows. Is it because they're clamping on the nipple? I guess. I don't know if it's just like, it's like the milk doing its thing or if it's like, I don't know what it is that makes it so gnarly, but it's horrifying. So like, I understand why so many women are like, no, my kid's on formula. Like I get it, but I wrote it out and now it is a breeze. Now she latches on like, we're good. It's a breeze. Everything's great. So in like us recording this, we are, I'm, she's six weeks tomorrow. And yeah, I would say the last two weeks. So like just ride out that month of hellacious pain <laughs> and then you're good. Hopefully. I mean, that's how it was for me anyways. That's that's my side of the story. Well, that was going to be my next question. Is she still on the nip or are you pumping and she's taking it from the bottle? So I'm doing a little bit of both. I generally she's just on the boob, but I have been pumping because I mean, like right now I'm recording and if she needs any food. I've pumped some milk earlier. So John's got a bottle down there with her right now. So it's a little bit of both. And she's good with taking the bottle too. Thank God. I was worried about that. Like there's so many things you have to think about of like, oh, okay. Cause like you live in this little like mom baby bubble where like we just sit on the couch I'm watching shows. She's napping. We're trying to like figure out our rhythm and like get our shit together. 
that as you're like, okay, I've got to like start getting back to work or like, can I leave the house for a second to go do anything? How do you do that? That you figure out like the pumping situation, you figure out how to give her a bottle. Again, luckily my mom's here, John's here. So it's nice to be able to just have another set of hands to be like, hey, watch her for a second while I pop up here to record the show for an hour. I'm going to pop off to the gym for an hour, whatever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's good. We're, we're figuring it all out. It's fun. You know what it is? It's because you hear about all the postpartum stuff. So I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm a clueless dude. And I'm texting you like I'm all concerned. And you're like, dude, nah, motherhood's been a blast. I'm, I'm having a good time. But I'm clueless too, except for like my own experience. I can tell you about my experience through and through. But I mean, I know so many women that have had really hard times that have really struggled or like breastfeeding, like as much as breastfeeding hurt me. I was at least like producing milk for the baby. So like she was good. So I knew no matter what, I can go through this brutal pain, but at least she's eating. So that alone is good. But if you're like your baby's not putting on weight or your milk dries up or like all these things that like when you're pregnant, at least for me, all I was looking into is like, how big's the baby today? How am I going to feel? I didn't look really much beyond that into how all these other things work. So Yeah, I I was lucky. The postpartum depression is super scary. I'm really glad, you know, that I dodged a bullet on that because I think that's the thing that like I think can freak anybody out because everyone kind of checks in to see how you're doing or they give you tell you stories about like what they went through or what their friend went through or their mom, sister, whatever that you're like, holy shit, like I really hope that I don't go through that because I feel for any woman that goes through that. It's a lot. It is such a big change that like your, your body's changing, your hormones are off the fucking charts. And then you have this brand new baby plop down in front of you and you're just trying to figure it all out. So, I mean, I understand how you can, it's like, I feel like it's just a hair separation of teetering into what postpartum depression could be like. I don't know. I've, I, I didn't go through it, so I can't speak to that. But I, I, I understand just how nuts your emotions are. It's crazy. Right. And, you know, you got a great support system with your husband and your mom and you have other friends as well. But you read these things and you understand that like the depression is real. The hormone dump is so real. And I was reading things like there are some mothers that don't even want to hold their child yeah. after the baby's born or they feel like they can't do anything right. It was really jarring to read. It opened my eyes completely. I just went to my doctor for my six week postpartum checkup so I can be like medically cleared to work out, go in the pool, all these things that you can't do. Get it on. Bow, bow. Medically cleared for all of these things. But as you're there at the six weeks, they check in that you have to do like a survey of postpartum depression check in so that they can kind of gauge where you're at. So, I mean, it 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 obviously is very much a real thing. And I feel very much so for any woman that goes through that. That has got to be awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, l- luckily I didn't go through that and everything was great and fun for me. And But okay, so just to, to bring it back to the actual labor. So I was I had to be induced because I hit 40 weeks. I'm 35. So they don't really... And that's like considered high risk. They actually call it a geriatric pregnancy, which is a term that can for sure go fuck itself. Um it, but anyways, so <laughs> uh, I went in, had to be induced. The being induced blows chunks. It sucks. Um, but I was in labor for 24 hours. My water broke. I just, I could, I wasn't dilating. So it just wasn't happening. 
which is fine. Uh, so then I, so it had been 24 hours and I was in such brutal pain from all the contractions and all the different drugs that they put you on and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I go in, I have a C-section, but the thing that's trippy about that. So I did have an epidural. Thank God for the epidural. Cause I was like in a lot of pain. They also give you fentanyl like, yes. Yeah. So I was in so much pain during it that because they give you, um, you know, whatever other painkiller. And then when you're like, no, I need like the good stuff. Then they gave me fentanyl, but it only lasts for two hours. So I had it twice and they obviously they can only give it to you so much. And it's like the medical grade and it's all monitored and all that. Then they give you the epidural. Then I go in, they give you the C-section, blah, blah, blah. It's all very quick. From the time that I was like, hey, should we just like get the baby out? And they're like, great, let's do it. I swear I was in the operating room like 10 minutes later and the baby was out. And you hear the big scream and you're like, oh, my God, the baby's crying. Great. It's like the best sound in the whole world. But when they give you all these medications, you shake like crazy. I was shaking like crazy. I was shaking like a leaf. So I tripped out because I was on fentanyl. Then you have the C-section and all this stuff is happening. Baby comes out and they hand you the baby and my hands are shaking. Like I couldn't even like hold the baby down and you're freaking out. Cause like, I didn't feel right. I felt so out of it. I had been in labor for so long. They hand me the baby and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like you feel out of your mind. And that's a scary thing. They hand you your baby and you don't get, for me, it wasn't that like, I mean, yes, hearing my baby cry and all that was a great sound, but they hand you the baby. And I was so freaked out because I didn't feel like myself. I, like my brain was just somewhere else because I was on all these drugs and had just been cut open and blah, 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 that they hand you the baby and you're like, you feel inept to take care of this baby that they just place on your chest because of all the things that you just went through. So that part was a little bit scary. And then having the C-section, I had to stay in the hospital for two days after, but I didn't take any of the pain medication for the C-section because I, I was like, I don't want to feel like that taking care of my baby anymore. It tripped me out to feel like that. It was like not fun. Um, but yeah, I didn't take any of the pain medication and just like soldiered through it. They're like, don't be a hero. Just take it. I'm like, no, I'm not being a hero. I just don't want to feel out of my mind while I'm looking after this brand new baby. Right. It's not about being a hero. I think it's more about how trippy the whole experience is when you're when you have that type of medication mm-hmm. in your system. You know, you just said that your hands were shaking and it felt like an outer body experience. I'd be like, be gone with that. I'm good. I'll take my chances with the pain and maybe an Advil. Honestly, I felt okay. Like I never really felt like I needed the pain medication. I was fine. But anyways, yeah, then we we got the baby and brought her home. So that was like, you know, sort of the Coles Notes version of, uh, of what my labor was like. Did you use that bitchin' playlist that you created? No, no. Oh, so, so didn't good. listen to it at all because I never pushed. I never got to the point of even pushing. But it was funny because it was the night of uh, the Diaz fight. So John's watching that because we're like, oh, cool. We can watch this in the in the room and we can just hang out. But at that point, I was so far into being induced in like the contractions that like John's trying to like prop it up on like the bedside for me so that I could watch it with him. And I was like, I can't even look at I can't focus on anything right now. So yeah, I had to like check out the next day. I was like, wait, so what happened in that fight? What did I miss? I, I was so out of it. So even though you were having this whole outer body experience while you were giving birth, 
Did you talk about it afterwards with John? Was he in the operating room? Oh, yeah. He also was taking photos of the whole thing, which took me. I I had to wait at least a week to look at them because I was like, it might make me feel queasy. It like might make me feel sick to see myself like cut open like that. And he's like, this is great. (laughs) Uh, So it tripped me out. But um, when I did look at it, I was like, actually, it wasn't that bad. They did a clean job, man. (laughs) But the thing for him was feeling so helpless and like kind of useless, I guess, because I'm sitting there in so much pain prior to going in for the C-section that like he couldn't make a joke to alleviate any kind of the like stress that was going on. He just kind of had to sit there quietly and like watch it all happen. He's never seen me in pain like that before. So he was like, holy shit. He didn't really know what to do or what to think of it. He was just sort of like, sitting on like the dad couch that's in the room there and watching me like cursing. I'm like pacing the room. Uh, Once they give you the epidural too, they come in and they like rotate you every 30 minutes to every hour. They like move your body over trying to like get things moving. And uh, that didn't help anything at all, except I didn't get any blood clots. So there's that, which is great. But yeah, I just, I could not dilate for the life of me. So did you consider any type of other childbirth Maybe something like a water birth or something natural and holistic. Because I think back to the episode where Misha Tate was a guest and she went into detail about how she was like on all fours and she gave birth that way. And like, was there any thought of having any type of other birth outside of the one that you were having? No, it's just not really for me. My doctor's fantastic. So she was somebody who I just felt very confident in like what she wanted to do. I wasn't really looking to have this sort of like holistic approach to having my baby. And to each person that does that, I mean, power to you, do whatever you want for your own labor. But for me, it was like, I wanted to go into the hospital. I wanted to have all of like the medical advancements I needed if I did need something. I live very close to the hospital anyways. But like, honestly, I've not really talked to anyone that I personally know that's had a home birth that had a great experience. I know one person that did have her baby very quickly and she had an okay time, but most other people are like, have a really rough go with it. And I was not really interested in that. I wanted to make it kind of, I didn't want to put my body through like this insane marathon, which ultimately I ended up doing anyways, you know, just because of how things went. But, you know, you kind of look at both sides of the coin. You know, I watched um, The Business of Being Born, the Ricky Lake documentary that she did years and years ago. Um, and she, I watched that like right when I found out I was pregnant. because I was like, ooh, I want to like, I want all the information. I want to know everything. And they definitely make a case for the, for the all natural birth, 100%. And I do get some of the benefits of that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't the thing that I was looking to do. And now that I had to have a C-section, I would, I think I would just probably end up having a C-section with the, with the second baby um, because I wish I didn't go through the 24 hours of brutal labor. If I just went in and had a C-section, I might not have had that horrible shaking and like my body feeling absolutely insane because that kind of ruined my initial like couple hours with my baby. I wish I didn't have that. I wish that we could have just like enjoyed it more. And this might be a crazy question to ask, but how soon do you want? Because if you're ready to go and you're getting the doctor's orders, you can you can get on with the get down. Um, are you planning on having a child anytime soon? Like, do you want a set of Irish twins? 
<laughs> I've only, it's funny. I'd never really heard the term Irish twins until like the other week. Uh, I, I was talking to Sarah Logan and she used that term. I was like, oh, I've never heard that. And then my neighbor said the other day, um, I don't know. I know that like ideally you're supposed to wait 18 months. I think for your body to properly heal and your body to kind of run its course for your first baby to like, you know, do its thing. And you're like doing all the mom things during that time. So I don't know. I've not put like, too, I'm not putting too much like thought or pressure on myself for that. Also keeping in mind, I am 35, almost 36. Um, so the like societal pressures kind of kick in. And I did, again, I had a very easy pregnancy, um, which maybe that was mother nature's way of tricking me of like, Oh, you love being pregnant. Do it again. And then the next baby's going to rock my fucking world. Uh, so I don't know. I, I do want to do it relatively close together just because again, I waited so long to have my first baby. I would like to just kind of do it and then call it a day. I don't know how detailed you want to get or how personal you want to dive, but you said you and John were trying for a long time to have a baby yeah. and, you know, compound other stresses and being on the road and, you know, WWE is a great gig, but you know, there's a lot of stress that comes with it as well. And, you know, sometimes that puts an immense toll on the body, then you don't renegotiate your contract and you leave and then bada bing, you're pregnant. It's a really weird thing. So it was almost about a year, I would say, of trying to figure it out, trying to get the timing right, all of those things. Um, And yeah, I don't know how much of it was pressure from being on the road or pressure from my job at the time, or if it was just like divine intervention, the way that things kind of work, the way that they're supposed to work, that literally two weeks after I left WWE timing wise, I mean, I didn't find out until a month after that, but rolling it back and you'd start doing the math in your head. You're like, holy shit, I got pregnant immediately after leaving WWE. And this was off like the straight off the heels of my doctor telling me like, you probably have to do IVF. And I was okay with that. Like was ready to do it. Literally had the medication at home, ready to go like was into it. So I was like, all right, Hey, if that's what the body needs, that's what the body needs. And so be it. Um, yeah. And then lo and behold, just after that, I was like, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test just to check. Cause we had been sitting on the couch, just like hanging out. And I was like about to make myself a cocktail. I was like, I'm just going to check to check and keep in mind. I've have you, I've gone through how many pregnancy tests, how many ovulation tests, all this shit over the past year, you don't expect to even see a positive result. You keep expecting it to be negative, negative, negative. And that that is like, ugh, what a shit feeling that is. But then you get the positive. You're like, wait, me? That's mine? What the? For real? Like to actually see that positive result is the craziest, best feeling. It's so cool. So let's talk about that for a minute because you go to the bathroom, you pee pee on the stick and- <laughs> You come out and you go, oh my God, like how, what was the reaction? Because nothing really rattles your husband. (laughs) He's impenetrable. He's very, very stoic. Like nothing rattles this man. Even when he's happy, you don't know. Like, did you come out and did you like wave the pregnancy test in his face? Like explain this whole thing to me because I'm fascinated. So it takes a couple minutes for it to kick in. So I ran upstairs. I was like, I know I've got a pregnancy test upstairs. I'm just going to check. And I bring it downstairs and we're like talking in the kitchen. I'm like, ah, you know, I'll take a couple minutes and, uh, and then it'll, 
tell us what it is. And it was one of the ones that clearly says pregnant or not pregnant. It wasn't the double line or whatever. So he's passing me in the kitchen. I was like, yeah, we'll just wait for this to switch. And as I put it in his face, it switched and said pregnant. And we were like, what? I just got goosebumps actually, again, like thinking about that, especially as I can like hear the baby crying downstairs and like to know that the baby is here and she's healthy and everything's great. Like it's, it's such a crazy ride, but yeah, I like showed it to him and he was like, same as me, like what? So he runs over to the Walgreens and he like buys seven more pregnancy tests. Cause we're both in like disbelief of like, no way get out of here. So yeah. And I ended up just taking like a bunch more pregnancy tests. And as they're all like the two lines pregnant, like we'd got all of the different kinds to check. Uh, yeah. And just to see that, that it was a positive pregnancy test was absolutely insane. So I'm, I'm really hoping that everything will be like fine and easy for the second pregnancy. I know a lot of times, and I always hear this, that like you basically mimic what your mom went through. And my mom had a really hard time getting pregnant with my brother. Took forever. Same thing. Doctor told her you can't get pregnant. You've got to do IVF, blah, blah, blah. And she got pregnant naturally. And my dad traveled on the road at the time as well. So really a similar situation. And then she got pregnant with me. No problem. Like wasn't even like, I don't Not that I was like a whoopsies, but like wasn't even really trying and was like, oh shit, I'm pregnant again. So hopefully, hopefully I'll get a little bit of that good baby magic happening as well. FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new users up with an epic Olympic bonus. Just place your first bet on any Olympic sport risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. So to get you guys started, here's my Olympic pick. Ready? Dun-dun-dun. Got to go with the GOAT. My girl, Simone Biles, she's going to absolutely crush it. She's going to take the whole damn thing in the women's vault. Mark my words. Take all my money, Simone. You are it. Incredible. Uh, but you guys can bet on any Olympic event, baseball, soccer, track and field, and more. You know, promotions like this are just one of the many reasons why I love betting with America's number one sports book. It's so easy to use. And this is coming from me. I assure you, you will be able to navigate this all just fine. If I can do it, you can do it. It's safe and secure and you get fast payouts. You get paid in as little as 24 hours. Make that money, get it back, maybe play some more bets, maybe buy yourself something nice, whatever you want to do. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and go for the gold today. That is with promo code R-E-N-E-E, Renee. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, West Virginia, and Virginia. First online real money wager only. Minimum bet $10, max bonus $200. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and Virginia, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, listen, this has been enough talk about me. We've gone on and on. It's been me talk, baby talk, which I love and I appreciate. And I, I love the baby. And I feel like I wanted to give everyone a little update on what's going on in mom world and baby world. But now let's turn the thing over here to you because you've had a very eventful uh, couple of days that you got to go to Money in the Bank. I mean, I guess we should talk a little wrestling on this podcast, right? Babies and wrestling. Babies and wrestling, everybody. So you got to go to Money in the Bank. Uh, we all know that Big E uh, and you are are very tight, good friends. You got to go down, hang with him. And 
you got to see him win the money in the bank contract. You were a fan in the audience. You just got to soak that whole thing in. How was it watching all of that? It's an incredibly different experience when you just get to be there as a spectator. You know, you work there. I work there. We know that we can come and go when we can watch the things that we want. But to sit there the whole entire time and to watch the show from start to finish was very, very cool. And this was my first live WWE show post pandemic. So I was messed up and I was ready to go. I was ready to enjoy myself. And the atmosphere for me was way more relaxed because I get to sit there and I'm enjoying the whole card, but I'm really hyped up for his match, the Money in the Bank men's ladder match. And a couple of weeks before he sent me some photos, this is what my gear is going to look like. And it's inspired by Blue and Exiles Below the Heavens. It's a really, really cool album slash mixtape. And he's a big hip hop head. I'm a big hip hop head. So it has a real significance, the album. And when he came out in this gear, it just looked so good. Where were you sitting? I was on the floor. And um, if it's third row, it's a nosebleed, baby. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) You brat. I'm very blessed. God is good. I love Nakamura's entrance as well. Him and Rick Boogs. That whole white gear was crazy. The pops were insane from start to finish for every performer in that match. Everybody thought Drew was going to win because of yeah. the way it was it was going. Then they throw us a curveball because Jinder comes down and his heavies come down. They attack Drew. Drew leaves. And then you think it's anybody's ball game now. Is it Nakamura? Is it going to be CrossFit Jesus? It's anybody's bag now. Biggie hits the big ending on Seth. That's like the redemption from the go home show the previous Friday on SmackDown when Seth hit him with the curve stomp and got the one, two, three. He climbs up and Renee, the moment the man's hands touch the clasp to get the briefcase, (laughs) I am on these chairs (laughs) jumping up and down and I'm screaming, let's fucking go. This is your moment. You deserved this moment. And what I loved most was you could just see the look on his face. And Renee, you know your friends when they're really in the moment because he just had this look on his face and again, goosebumps. I was just so happy for him and I had a shit eating grin from ear to ear. Just seeing him celebrate was truly a joy. It's his time. And the odds and the math normally work out. Like you are now prime and set up to be the guy. Someday soon, This dude is going to be either Universal Champion or WWE Champion. He is prime. He is poised. It is his time to shine. He looks good in gear, jacked to the gills, media trained, extremely charismatic. And when you come from a trio that popular who just busted through the glass ceiling... They outsold Cena one WrestleMania as one of the biggest merch movers, as the biggest merch mover. Bootios was just a huge deal as a serial. Those guys just get it. They get the system of WWE. They understand. I mean, obviously, they all work very, very hard. And you know the higher-ups at WWE see that. They are not the guys that sit around and complain or go like, man, I wish I could do this or whatever. They find ways to make shit work. 
they always find a way to make it work. And, you know, whether it's the long game or whatever. And I think E would be one of those guys that's that long game guy of like knowing like, you know, you look back to like the run that he was having at NXT and then being brought up to the main roster and winning the IC title and all these different things that he went through. And we've always known of like this guy is going to be the guy at some point. And sometimes the timing gets fucked up and the timing for him has been perfect in the sense of like you wait long enough. If it happens too early, you don't really get the appreciation that you should really be deserving of in that moment. And I feel like this time and it takes fucking forever. I'm sure it feels that way to him, but it's like now is the fucking time. I'm just happy that the spotlight is on him. This is his moment to shine. And I remember texting him. I'm proud of you. I love you. Just celebrate this and then continue on like business as usual. And my adrenaline dumped after that. I didn't even have energy to go crazy for Roman and Edge. And I'm a big Roman guy. Oos is the dude. So I'm, I'm all in. So I just sat back and ate a pretzel and and watched. Are you a big Cena guy? You must have, I mean, what was that Cena pop like? Oh, the Cena pop was thunderous. Whether you love him or loathe him, he's part of that last OVW, WWE superstars in that machine. It's him and Randy. Yeah. Him and Randy. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're the last two in that OVW yeah. like class. From that class, yeah. You know, he's been gone for so long and you've seen what he's been doing outside of WWE and how he carries himself and what he's doing and the projects that he's been doing, the commercials that he's been doing. You can't help but root for this guy. Well, it really was perfect timing. It's funny because I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about it. I was watching, I was just watching, um, uh, watching Roman and Edge. John and I are watching it. And he said, he, he's always, he knows fucking everything, this guy. He's like, I, this will be the time for Cena to come back two seconds later. Bam, 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 bam. I was like, oh shit, you're right. And I was like, I, I was pumped for it. I was like, oh shit. It was perfect timing. It wasn't expected because, I mean, you know, like anybody else, you read the shit and like the dirt sheets of like, oh, he's booked for, he's doing this movie. He's got this going on. So you think scheduling wise, it's not going to happen. And I, it, he was really kind of like out of sight, out of mind, I think in terms of that. And then it's like, oh, great. Here we go. I, I think it was, it was perfect timing. And again, somebody of like, whether you love him or hate him, I feel like a ton of people were really loving Cena during that. There were a lot of good pops, but the decimals went up a specific tone when that dude came out and held the towel. Like you heard the the opening chimes of that theme song. Did you go to Raw? No, I didn't. I had a I had a couple of things I had to catch up on work wise. Oh. But it was a hell of a show because a couple of my friends were there and they were texting me about it. We were not watching Raw. I was like tinkering around doing other things. I find if I can't get the East Coast feed of it, watching it like in real like waiting for the West Coast feed kind of sucks. Where uh, SmackDown's a little bit easier. You shouldn't get on the USA app to watch it. Anyways, who cares? Who cares about that information? Um, but it's funny because I, so I saw that Karrion Cross had debuted, but I did not, I was not watching in real time. I was like, oh, cool. He debuted. So I just tweeted, congrats, Killer Cross, or sorry, Karrion Cross. And, uh, and I was using like this TikTok uh, GIF. And so many people were like, ooh, the shade, the shade, like talking shit. I was like, wait, what? What did I miss? People thought that I was making fun of Carrie and Cross. I guess, you know, obviously I did not see what the booking was. I didn't see what had happened. I guess for him to be pinned by Jeff and to be pinned clean and blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't get pinned clean. 
Jeff used his feet on the ropes. See, I didn't watch. <laughs> Normally, he has that really cool intro where he comes out and is the smoke and the lights. And I think a big part of that entrance is Scarlett Bordeaux. She's beautiful. She's striking. She has a look. I st- I'm surprised. I wonder what the, the thought process was to separate them. Because it's like, I feel like Vince would love her. He would love her the way that he loved Lana to be like he would. Vince was obsessed with Lana for a very long time when she was valeting Miro. Um, And when she was like, you know, really in that valet position, she was a great promo. She looks great on camera. All of those things that you think that Scarlett would have the same appeal and he'd be really into that. So, yeah, I would just wonder what the reasoning was to, to pull them apart. Oh, and she can work. She's fantastic. She can work. My thinking behind this whole rationale from the IWC. Hey, listen, you are entitled to bitch and moan. It's your account. You do what you want to do. But do you understand professional wrestling? Cross got his heat back immediately in his promo in a roundabout way saying, I'm going to kill you. Like the way his body told this story, like the sentiment is like, I'm going to fucking kill you because you got one over on me. And It's Jeff Hardy. It's not like it's some scrubby dude either. Okay, so you didn't go to Raw, but you did get to go to Dynamite. Yes, I did. And I was very excited for that. Were you? Because I was very stressed. I was stressed too. I was texting you. Sometimes my heart was in my throat by so many spots. And I'm like, you have a child at home. (laughs) Be responsible. I want to show you this. It was solidarity between me and my brother Mox. Oh my God, you did not. What are those shoes called again? The What are they? The Air the Monarchs. AKA <laughs> the Air Moxleys. Oh my God. I wish that he got to see that you were wearing those. He'd be like, can I actually borrow those? Those shoes are so shit, dude. They're great. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm wearing them with skinny ripped jeans right now. These things are fucking wavy. I, I could pull cannot. them off. I was texting you photos. I was showing you I could pull these off. You, you pull, you're pulling it off. You guys are both pulling it off. It's a look. I just don't know that other people need to jump on this bandwagon. A lot of people are, though. I don't know. (laughs) So I had to wear them. Fashion icons. So the whole energy of that show is just wavy. And everybody's all like on tilt because everybody's reading the the dirt sheets and they're thinking CM Punk's coming out. CM Punk's coming out. And I'm like, if you think that AEW is going to a CM Punk in Garland fucking Texas. <laughs> Keep smoking what you're smoking. Matter of fact, give me some because I want to get that loopy. It's so crazy, though, to just like, you know, take a step back and look at what's going on with AEW. I mean, even having like to have Nick Gage come out and know that he's going to have his match with Jericho next week. I mean, that must have melted people's brains. Renee, I love GCW. I've even done some commentary for them. Big shout outs to Brett Lauderdale. That company is so DIY. It's so counterculture. I love the fact that the fan base is rabid. They support their performers. It's very, very cool to see. I love that GCW mentality is fuck everybody. MDK all motherfucking day. day. Gang, gang. (laughs) He's a special type of performer because he says he will die in that ring and you can't help but believe it. Yeah, there's just that like that authenticity that comes with him of like, He's a fucking wild card, man. He's very nice, but he's also very fucking scary. I remember I met him in New Orleans at WrestleMania a year, a couple of years ago and uh, just being at a bar and he came up and said, hey, I mean, obviously the history he has with John. Um, and I was like, yeah, he's a scary guy, <laughs> but sweet. He's nice. But, but like, yeah, there's a sweetness yeah, to him, but he will fucking 100%, cut you. You're like, this guy's nuts. 
He's he's a very scary guy, but cool to see that. Um, what do you what, what do you think about seeing Chavo Guerrero in AEW? I think that's the perfect pairing for Andrade. Andrade has a big feel. You know, he's a big signing. Same thing goes for Malachi Black. They're big. Yeah. They're big signings. He wasn't on TV last week, was no, he? No, Tommy wasn't there, but Andrade was. And he comes out. He looks the part. He's in good shape. Good looking dude. Knows how to wear a suit. He can cut really good promos. And what they're doing with Death Triangle and him is really interesting to see. I think that's a really good program for him to start doing. I think Pac is underrated as a worker and a speaker. Oh my God. Pac's the shit, man. I also think like, I mean, yeah, people, I, I like him. Like I, just his character in general, him as a heel. I never would have anticipated how great of a heel that guy is. And he continues to work the gimmick. Yeah. He won't do oh, yeah. press. Real he's very nasty. Shit. Yeah. He'll just say fuck off and it works. Mm-hmm. And he's with the death triangle yeah. and Phoenix is back and Penta. What a great dynamic. And Penta was one of Brody's favorites. And me and Brody used to text about Penta all the time. And it was really cool to see because he didn't get, both of these guys didn't get to speak in WWE. And what I love about AEW is everything has to make sense. Everything has to go into the next show because there is no pay-per-view. They only do four years. So every storyline has to matter. And then they also leaving you questioning more. Explain to me this. How does two AEW guys wrestle wrestle for the IWGP United States Championship? Does Lance go back to Japan? Does John go back to Japan? Do we get a third match? Because there's history there. John couldn't get into the country the last time and they had to take the title off of him. And then John gets the championship back. And then John goes on this lengthy run as IWGP United States Champion. And then last week... Lance dethrones John and it's like, whoa, where do we go with this? It's just so layered and so intricate. And I think there's, there's just so much to really sink your teeth into as a wrestling fan of like, wait, this means this for this promotion. And this means this and this promotion. And yeah. And the history, like just, there's so many deep roots that just makes the storytelling really fun and engaging to, to watch, to, to just see that long game. And that's something that you never get to see in WWE. Right. And I think that's why AEW is so good at what they do. And they're so insulated into themselves in terms of presentation of televised wrestling, because everything has to make sense and go into the next thing. And I'm curious to see how that will translate with two TV shows with Rampage starting in August. And they don't treat their fans as stupid in terms of like, well, you don't know what this is. We're going to beat you over the head with that now to make sure you understand it. And I, I understand the reasoning of why they do that, obviously. But I think with like smart fans and the way people have access to looking into information that they might not know and dot and being able to connect the dots themselves, I think there's something really cool about that that people like to, to have that sort of sense of discovery rather than being talked to like they don't understand how shit works. So they go to commercial and Justin Roberts is hyping up the crowd. He did a great job. He killed it. And they show the promo card for the next match that's going to happen. And it was the Texas death match. And the crowd goes apeshit. Just looking at the picture, like now everybody's waiting. And this is built to a crescendo now. And Lance comes out and everybody screams, everybody's going to die. His music stops. Now, like the <sighs> crowd is 
on their feet. <laughs> Nobody's sitting down. And everybody's looking around. What section is Mox going to come and walk what out to? What a sweet guy. He's a sweetheart. He's a gentleman. I love him. Then you hear, wow, thing. He can't come out to anything else. Like, that is his jam. That's him. Yeah. Oh, I just, I, I love that. That's so cool. All these people is singing wild thing. And I'm on the chair again because I'm emotionally into this. I work with the baby moms and <laughs> one of my besties. So I'm in this shit now. You know what I mean? Like I'm ready to go somewhere in the match. Your husband pulls out a fork. And the funny part about it is, was the way he presented the fork to the crowd. He gingerly pulls it out from his pocket. He unzips the, the pocket, uses it, wipes the, the fork off <laughs> and then it puts off. it back in his pocket and gingerly zips That's it up again. That's actually amazing. <laughs> and, and, and then I tweet you because I thought this was a great tweet to share. And this was so ridiculous. Do you have any silverware missing? We have a lot of forks in this house. I would never know if they went missing. We have, we truly have an abundance of silverware. It is not, it's not counted and none of it matches. I would never know. I thought it was baby G's little infant fork. Oh no. He, he takes the big boy fork for this. Definitely. What is your reaction? As the wife, because you've been through this, but it's a different type of death match than what WWE would do. And his CZW stuff was pre you. So you're watching this at home. And because I know you and him, I have a lump in my throat at this point because I'm seeing some crazy shit. Yeah. You're watching this at home. What do you think? Because it's crazy. I was watching it with my mom. Uh, cause you know, she's staying with me while, while John's on the road working and all that. Uh, yeah, it, it is difficult to watch. I mean, I, you don't want to see your most loved one getting hurt like that. I mean, it's, it's really scarier, like just to see that situation. I mean, as much as he's a pro, he's a tough son of a bitch. It's hard to watch that. No doubt. I mean, I'm always just like waiting to like talk to him after to like make sure everything's okay and wait for him to come home and and all that. But yeah, it it can definitely be a a little bit difficile to watch. It makes me squirm a little bit. And you know, sometimes I need to like find a distraction to be doing something as well during a match like that. Cause I, if I'm giving it my 100% attention, it kind of, it does stress me out. And it's like, you don't know cause he don't tell you shit and you're excited to see what's next for that company, for guys like him, because he's been on an incredible run since he left WWE. And I don't think that it's going to stop anytime soon. And and the possibilities are so endless in terms of like what they're going to be able to pull off creatively, what the storylines are going to be all, all of those different things that kind of come with being a part of AEW. And especially for the guys that have been with WWE and been looking to kind of like scratch that itch. It's really awesome to be able to see where they want to go with these things and the things that they want to do. I love it. Yeah. It's, it makes me like pumped up for, for all of the the wrestlers that have now made that jump over to AEW and being able to, yeah, just to exercise their creative freedom to do all the things that they want to do. It's, it's such a cool time. I love it. I'll say this in closing, what we need to do is we need to attend an AEW event together we need to have a couple of adult beverages and we need to sing Wild Thing at the top of our lungs. I would love nothing more. I think I'm going to go um, out to the next pay-per-view. So buckle up. I'm going to head out to Chicago. I'm fucking down. Let's go. Let's do it. So, Renee, I got to tell you, welcome back, honey. Oh, 
my God. It feels nice to be back. Uh, again, a huge shout out to everybody that jumped in and guest hosted for me and kept the machine rolling while I'm figuring out being a mom and figuring out all this new part of my life and whatnot. But it does feel really great to be back. We're going to spin up some great shows. We've got lots happening. Uh, this has been an episode of Oral Sessions. Renee Paquette here, joined by producer extraordinaire, the sweet, the uh, the follically gifted Emilio. Actually, we're both follically gifted right now. I got all this hair too. So suck on that, everybody. All right, we'll see you guys next time on the next episode of Oral Sessions.